0: Well, good morning everybody. It's good to see you. My name is Paul. I'm one of the pastors. I have the privilege of uh, speaking to you today. And something you may not know about me is that Carson City is by far the largest uh, not the largest, that's the wrong word. The furthest north that we have ever lived in in my life, in my married life, in my childhood ever. Furthest north I've ever lived, Carson City by quite a large margin. The furthest north before this is a little town called Gainesville, Texas which is just north of Dallas. Y'all laughed because I said Texas, didn't you? And north in the same sentence, right? Uh, right on the border of Oklahoma. So what's something you, you think that I didn't experience much growing up or, or, or in life before I moved to Carson City? Uh, surfing. <laughs> Sno- surfing, that's true also. Uh, snow yes. and winter. Now, I don't know if you remember, But the winter of (laughs) 2022-23 was a pretty big one, right? It wasn't that long ago that we had walls of snow in the parking lot. And uh, Derek was talking about ruts last week. And it immediately made me think of a learning experience I had just a few weeks ago driving in the snow, something I haven't done a lot of. I've gotten a little better at it. I picked up Hannah from school. It was one of the Wednesdays where they had an early release. So she got done at noon, and she wanted to go to Jennifer's classroom to help her out with her kindergartners for the last couple of hours of the class. So I picked her up from Eagle Valley. I'm driving her to the school. And at, at the school, there's like this you know, place where you drive and go around if you're just going to drop somebody off. So I, I go in this loop to go around. Well, the last little section, I guess the plow guys for that parking lot didn't understand the traffic flow. At least they didn't understand it the way that I thought they should. (laughs) And so they built a wall right at the last little turn where you normally go. um, But I noticed that there were some ruts through it. And I thought, well, obviously other people have gone that way. The ruts went all the way through. And so I'm thinking, I guess that's the way I'm supposed to go, because this is the traffic pattern that I expect us to, to have for this little spot. So when I I see the wall of snow, I see the ruts, and my brilliant Southern brain says, probably should just punch it a little. And go right through those ruts, right? That's a smart move. Well, I drive a Toyota Avalon. It's not not exactly a a snow machine. And so I punch punch the gas a little bit, get into the ruts, and those of you that are already laughing can imagine what happened. I bottomed out. I compacted the snow really tight because of my extra speed and basically like vacuum locked my car to the snow pile. <laughs> well, Hannah was very impressed. Um, and she said, Dad, I'm just going to get out and go up to the school. <laughs> OK, that's probably a good idea. So I walked up there. I got a snow shovel. I came back down. I started digging out. I didn't know what else to do, start digging out. After about 10 minutes, I thought, I've, I think I've relieved enough of this, you know, pressure under here. I can probably move. No movement forward, no movement backward. Another 10 minutes of scooping and, you know, you can't really get under your car with a snow shovel in that situation too well, so a lot of it's by hand. My fingers are curling up and I'm hating winter in Carson City. <laughs> and Another 10 minutes, can't get any movement. Another 10 minutes, can't get any movement. Then something really amazing happened. A guy in a really big truck (laughs) came up to the school and said, hey, we've all been there. I don't think he really has. (laughs) But he was making me feel better for sure. He said, we've all been there. Um, Would it be okay if I helped you get out of this situation? I was like, yes, thank you so much. So he got out a strap, tied it to my um, frame, pulled me forward. I think, you know, it's kind of like when someone loosens a bottle for you and and then you come along and go, oh yeah, that was easy. I think I loosened it up quite a bit. But uh, So he came along and he pulled me forward and got, got me out of that situation. I felt a little stupid and quite a bit embarrassed and I dug out for 30 minutes and really didn't accomplish anything until someone came along and helped me and had just what I needed a big truck and a strong strap. And, you know, I think if we're honest that we can easily find ourselves in that kind of situation spiritually. It's why we're having this, this series that we think we know the right way to go. It looks like the way a lot of people have gone before us, right? And they were successful. They made it through. Maybe I need to head that direction. And, and as I get closer, even though it feels a little off, might not seem quite right, I'm questioning. I should probably just punch it and go for it anyway. And we find ourselves bottomed out and stuck, helpless and often embarrassed. You know, I think our culture claims to be more connected than ever, right? But we're more isolated, really, than ever. Our lives are more exposed, but they're less authentic than ever. And if we follow the current trends, I think we would fall into the rut of acting like everything's okay. We don't need anyone or anything. I'm just going to punch it and go for it, knowing at the same time that there's something off. There's something desperately wrong. And the truth is, you can't do life alone. Just like I couldn't get unstuck without this gentleman's help, you weren't designed to do everything yourself. The good news is that God has exactly what we need to get pulled to the other side, to get through. And as Derek pointed out last week, the first step to breaking out of the ruts in our life is to understand our need for God, to understand our need for a relationship with him, a life-changing relationship that fulfills our very purpose for existence, to know him and make him known. And one line in particular has really stuck with me in a powerful way from last week. That is that everything that Jesus wants to do through my life will be as an overflow of what he does in my life. Everything he wants to do through my life will be an overflow of what he does in my life. It starts with that relationship with him first and foremost. So getting out of the ruts starts with an abiding relationship with Jesus. If you missed last week, go back and listen to it, watch it on the video um, because it's really the foundation for where we're going today and then also next week. Getting out of the ruts starts with an abiding relationship with Jesus. But today we're going to talk about two gatherings that God gives us that reinforce, that encourage, that nurture that relationship that he wants us to have with him. I would call them our gathering points in the church. Worship, like we're doing today, and groups. And today I hope we're going to leave with an understanding of why those two gatherings are really vital to staying out of the ruts in our spiritual lives. Before we dive in, let's pray together. God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for real life examples, even though they can be a little bit embarrassing, that remind us of spiritual truths. God, so often we, we do that very thing. And I pray if anyone in here today is feeling bottomed out and stuck and embarrassed, that they would just open their life to what you might want to do, how you might want to course correct, how you might want to help them dig out and get to the other side. God, we know that it begins with you and that we can't do it alone, so we trust you, and it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, so in Acts 2, 46 and 47, we get a little picture of where these gatherings kind of started happening. It's the early church. I just want you to know that this isn't a 20th century invention. I want you to know that believers have been following this pattern for uh, as long as we have recordings for the church it says day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes they received their food with glad and generous hearts praising god and having favor with all the people and the lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved so this is right after pentecost where peter stood and preached the gospel and three thousand people said yes to following jesus there's this new movement of jesus followers suddenly this new community of believers And they immediately began to gather in these two ways, in the temple for worship and in smaller groups in their homes to share fellowship together and to share life together. It's good to be reminded of these aspects of the things we do as followers of Jesus because they're foundational. These gatherings have been around for a long time. So with that as our backdrop, let's dig in a little bit. The first gathering I want to talk about is what we're experiencing today, and that is our corporate worship gathering. And these Sunday gatherings really serve two purposes. The first purpose is that it serves as a reminder. It serves as a reminder. The service should be all about God, so it serves as a reminder of who he is and what he's done. We need no other reason to gather than his worthiness. God alone is worthy. We gather to be reminded of that fact, to be reminded of who he is and what he's done. And we were created to worship. It's innate. We will fulfill that purpose one way or another. We will give that worship to something or someone. Ecclesiastes 3.17 says, God has put eternity into the hearts of mankind. It it means we have a sense, we have an awareness that there's something more, something beyond us. There's a drive to bow down, to pay homage to something, to worship something. But God alone is worthy. I want to read a passage from Psalm 95. If you want to look in the Bibles that are uh, in the seats, um, it's page 553. If you have your own Bible, I have no idea what page it is, but it's going to be kind of in the middle. Psalm 95, 1 through 7. Again, page 553 on the Bibles that are uh, under the seats. Just to remind us of who God is and what He's done. It says, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep. Of his hand. Just a reminder that God alone is worthy. He is great. He's above all. He's creator. He's our maker. He's our guide and protector. He alone is worthy. So God gives us the worship gathering as a reminder of who he is and what he's done. An opportunity to exercise that innate need that we have to connect with him and worship him with all our heart. Now, this was all the rage a few years ago. I think Derek even mentioned this a, a few weeks ago in one of his sermons. Those pictures that you used to, ha- they look like just weird, like geometric blobs and things. But if you stared at them hard enough, if you, I never really understood the trick, I, I wasn't very good at it. But if you somehow looked through it and stared at it, then a picture would suddenly form. You guys know what I'm talking about? Sort of these optical illusion pictures. It's really a matter of perspective and focus is what makes those things come to life. And the same thing happens for us. Gathering in corporate worship recenters our perspective. It reinforces truth. It gives us an opportunity to experience the presence of God. We gather because God is worthy and we need to be reminded of who he is and what he's done. Second, we gather in worship because it serves as a rallying point. It serves as a rallying point because we can look around and we can see that we are not alone. Now, I, watch, I have watched, haven't in a while, but I have watched some of the episodes and seasons of Alone. You know this show that I'm talking about? They put people in the Alaskan wilderness. It's kind of one of those reality shows. They put people in the, uh, the Alaskan wilderness and they try to see how long they can last and the goal is to be the last one standing after everyone else has given up, and these are hardcore people. Like they're trained in survival stuff. They're they're not like me. I like to be alone, but that means like in my room reading a book. Uh, they they're out in the wilderness. They know how to find their food and build their shelter and survive the Alaskan winter and all that kind of stuff. As we know, that would eat my lunch pretty quick. But um, the thing that's amazing is no matter how prepared you feel, no matter how prepared they seem, no matter what they're Background and, and how tough they look and, and sound, they all break down at some point because they're alone. We're not built to survive alone. You can act tough, you can make any preparations, you can arm yourself with as much knowledge as possible, but nothing saps your spirit like being alone or feeling alone in difficult circumstances. You know, I think about the Apostle Paul and how often he started his letters with thankfulness for the encouragement of the churches or the people that he felt by remembering them, remembering that he wasn't alone. At the beginning of Philippians, he says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. What's he thankful for? He's thankful for their partnership in the gospel. Knowing that he's not alone, even though he was riding from prison and wasn't able to visit them. I want you to do something. Just look around right now. Yeah, look around. For that to work, your head's gonna have to move a little bit. We're not doing the side eye stare. We're, we're moving looking around. Look around, yeah. You realize you are not alone. You are not alone. Whatever rut, whatever circumstance you may be struggling through, whatever difficulty you're having in your journey, you are not alone. We come together on Sunday to be reminded of who God is and what he's done, to be reminded of the truth of the gospel that we've experienced through our relationship with Christ, to hear ways that the Bible continues to reveal and teach us more about God and how we're to live in response to him, and to know that we do not take that journey alone that others are on the same road. Many have walked through or are currently walking through the very same struggles that you may be having. Again, look around. No matter how alone you felt when you walked into this room today, you are not alone. And these reminders serve as a rallying point because it encourages us to then go live out the mission of Christ in the world. These gatherings aren't just for us. They aren't just for our education, our edification, our evaluation, our, our entertainment. When we treat worship that way, we miss the point entirely. Because worship is a means to an end, which is that you leave encouraged and equipped to fulfill the calling of Christ on your life. And that's go time, which is next week, so you've got to come to hear about that uh, next Sunday. But we exist for those that aren't here yet. We gather for those that Christ wants to touch through the overflow of his presence in our lives. And that fulfillment happens primarily not in this building, away from this building, as you go and fulfill the mission that Christ has for you and for your life. This week's big idea, really in its simplest form, is that we need God and we need one another. We need God. And we need one another. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, um, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So we need God in that abiding relationship Derek talked about last Sunday. We gather in worship to be reminded of who he is and what he's done and to be encouraged that we do not stand alone because we need one another. We're reminded of that in our worship gatherings, but we also experience that in a deeper way, in a different way, in our other gathering, in our groups. You know, your faith is personal, but it's not meant to be private. It's very personal, personal relationship with God, but it's not meant to be lived out privately. Our personal faith in Christ is designed to be lived out in community. And one of our identities that we seek to live out in our groups is that of family. And I really think this is critical. Um, Paul tells us in Romans 8, 15 to 17. Again, if you want to use the Bibles in the seat, it's page 1045. I put a marker there, but it's not helping. All right. Romans 8, 15 through 17. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself, bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So as followers of Jesus, we're adopted sons and daughters of God, full heirs with Christ. And we submit to God as our father, and we love one another as brothers and sisters. We live out this identity of families, and groups are an incredible picture of this lived out. You know, sometimes we, we get it wrong in our head. We think of it as a student teacher relationship, but that's not it at all. It's a family relationship. It's not a class, it's a family gathering. It's not designed to create a bunch of, of uniformity. It's a place to struggle through our doubts, our questions, to find truth, to find life, where we can even disagree on some things that are kind of open handed questions in our, uh, in our faith journey. It's a place where we can be authentic and vulnerable as we seek to fulfill this passage from hebrews look again at the words let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works encouraging one another you know what this tells us we have a responsibility for the spiritual well-being of others in our family we have a responsibility for one another they talk about meeting and gathering together in the context of what we do for each other. You mean I don't come to church or go to group just for what I can get? You mean it's not prim- primarily about my wants and my needs? You know, we get so consumed with ourselves and our situation and our perspective that it can sometimes be all we think about. But gathering is about God first because he is worthy and secondly about how God wants to use you and me in the lives of other people in the lives of our brothers and sisters. And when our gathering priorities align in that order, what we receive from him is nothing short of miraculous. What he can do in and through us uh, as individuals and as a group and as a church is nothing short of supernatural. And notice how the verses start with the phrase, let us consider. That's very active. Consider is a strong word to put effort into thinking and strategizing about something. Let us put effort into thinking and strategizing about what? Two things. How to stir up one another to love and good works. Stir up, to stimulate, to motivate, to inspire. We're to consider to put effort into thinking and strategizing about how to inspire one another to love and good works. We're to know each other, care for each other enough to look for ways to inspire greater devotion to Jesus in each other's lives. You know that you're uniquely and... Uh, you're uniquely created and designed to serve and love someone that God brings to common ground better than anyone else. You are uniquely created and designed to serve and love someone that God brings to common ground better than anyone else. And not just common ground. You're uniquely created to love your neighbor, the person in the cubicle next to you at work, the kid that you sit with at lunch, in school. You're uniquely created and designed to connect with someone to honor god uh, better than anyone else and nothing breaks you out of a rut faster than focusing on someone else other than yourself and these verses say we're to put effort into thinking and strategizing about how we can be used by god to inspire someone else it's part of why we gather because we need each other you need what god has placed inside someone else and someone else needs what god has placed inside you and Paul paints this picture by calling believers the body of Christ in 1 Corinthians 12. I encourage you to read the whole passage, but he summarizes it in verse 27 when he says, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. We're the body of Christ. We come together to be something greater than the sum of the individual parts. And this picture, it still starts with Jesus because he is described as the head It still starts with an abiding relationship with him because he's in control. But as individuals, we come together under him to form one body. The picture is incomplete without you. We need each other. So think about how God may want to use you to inspire someone else. But secondly, Paul says we also encourage one another and the greek word for encourage is a form of the word for the same word for holy spirit it literally means to come alongside someone and part of how god uses us to inspire one another is when we reflect the holy spirit to each other by coming alongside our brothers and sisters and helping the journey we're to put effort into thinking and strategizing about how we can encourage or come alongside someone else in our worship gatherings First of all, by our presence. It's hard to encourage someone that you're not around, right? Through a greeting, offering to pray with them, serving in kids, remembering the thing they told you they wanted you to pray about the last week and asking them how it's going. Sometimes a simple touch during the response time, inviting someone to come and be part of this gathering with you and maybe in groups. Uh, Through our presence, again, through living life together, through being honest in our discussion of the ups and downs of following Jesus and and being able to speak into how he's brought you through difficult circumstances. So as we kind of go on this uh, wave of life, sometimes we're in the down part, sometimes we're in the up part. We can always be ahead of someone or maybe behind someone else. And in that push and pull of life, we can encourage and be encouraged. We meet needs for each other, we pray for one another, we speak the truth in love, we act as family, and we invite others to experience that as well and be part of that. When we first moved to Tucson, Arizona, a lot of years ago, to help start a church, we had Josh and Andrew, and they were both uh, really young elementary school students. Now one of them's about to graduate and is married and the other one's about to finish his sophomore year. We didn't have Hannah and Luke at all yet. That's our second half family. Um, But in this first half family, we moved to Tucson and we thought we were done with kids. We didn't have a lot of money, didn't have a lot of resources, so we sold and got rid of all the baby stuff that we had um, because it cost a lot to move all that furniture across the country, right? So we got to Tucson within a few months, found out we were being blessed with another child. And it did turn out to be a blessing, but at the moment it was kind of more of a shock than anything. Uh, We're really excited because that turned out to be Hannah, who's back there running graphics for me today. Um, But in the midst of that, we had nothing. We'd had no idea how we were gonna handle having another child. We, We moved into a house based on the number of bedrooms that we could handle and we had a vehicle, we were so excited to get rid of the minivan finally, and we had moved up to like a, a Ford Explorer, woo-hoo, you know, exciting. But at least we didn't have the minivan, but then that didn't have enough seats anymore with the car seat, so life was like topsy-turvy all of a sudden. And we were leading a small group with some people who were kinda in a similar stage of life. Some of them had, were having their first child or had just had their first child. And even though we were like the elder people in the group, They wanted to help us. They wanted to love on us. They gave us some things that we needed. They threw a shower for us, even though it was our third kid, it was kind of like starting over and we really needed it. Those relationships, the way that they entered into our life, the way that we shared life in those moments have have been something that have carried through uh, all the years since. Some of our greatest friends are still from that moment in time where we were almost desperate for help because of how our lives were changing in a way that we didn't expect. Maybe you have a real heart for helping people and for helping them feel connected. We all need that. But some people aren't able to physically do that. They can't come to church. They can't be part of a group. Well, that's why CG Cares exists. Because we have people in our church with a heart that says we know how important it is to gather. We know how important it is to feel connected, to have needs met by brothers and sisters in Christ. So we're going we're gonna to be the people that do that. Um, and I had an exciting meeting this past week where we're talking about how that's going to expand. We're going to be able to add more people and meet more needs. Um, and so if you're somebody that you know does handiwork or is willing to drive someone to the doctor, or there's all kinds of needs that people have that... They're not connected to the body in the same ways that some of us are. Uh, but we still want them to feel that connection and know that love and be taken care of. You can always write on your Connect card that you want to know more about CG Cares. But in the, f- in the months to come, you're going to hear a lot more about that as we expand at what that looks like and how you can jump in. But we don't do any of that to promote ourselves because we know that what Jesus said in John 13, 35 is true. He says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. By your love for one another, they'll know there's something different about you. They'll know that Jesus really does make a difference in who you are and how you live by your love for one another. As we live out these verses in Hebrews, we're a living testimony to the reality of Christ and the difference he makes in our lives. So gathering is first and foremost about God. And secondly, about how we can be used by him in the lives of others. Kind of a big summary statement that goes along with our up in and out relationships over here. It's because of what God has done in me, I gather with other believers in worship so that I can deepen my love relationship with him. That's up. I grow in fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ. That's in, and I'm encouraged to show and share the difference that he's made in my life with those that don't know him. That's out. And again, that's next week, so be back next Sunday. You know, so much of our culture is stuck in a rut that they see no escape from. One of my kind of guilty pleasures when I'm vegging out and and don't have anything really to do is to watch uh, song reaction videos. Kind of a weird thing, I know. But I watch these song reaction videos on YouTube where someone listens to a song and they give their thoughts about it. They give their reaction to, how it makes them feel or what they think about the music, whatever. And this, the past couple of weeks, there've been a huge amount of reaction videos to one song in particular. It's a song called Happy by the artist NF. And what struck me by watching these reactions is how many people connect personally to this message in a deep emotional way. It's not a religious message. It's a kind of a life message but it speaks to some pain and some ruts that people really find themselves in, in our world. Feelings of being stuck and not knowing where to get the answer. And I wanna read these lyrics to you if I can make it through them. Um, and, And for you to realize that much of our world and possibly many in this room are living or have lived with feelings just like these. And it illustrates perfectly the rut that people find themselves in without Jesus says, been this way so long, it feels like something's off when I'm not depressed. I got some issues that I won't address. I got some baggage I ain't opened yet. I got some demons I should put to rest. I got some traumas that I can't forget. I got some phone calls I've been avoiding. Some family members I don't really connect with. Some things I said I wish I would have not let slip. Some hurtful words that never should have left my lips. Some bridges burned, I'm not ready to rebuild yet. Some insecurities I haven't dealt with. Yes, I'll be the first to admit that I'm a lonely soul and the last to admit I need a hand to hold. Losing hope, headed down a dangerous road, strange I know. But I feel most at home when I'm living in my agony, watching my self-esteem go up in flames, acting like I don't care what anyone else thinks when I know truthfully that that's the furthest thing from how I feel. But I'm too proud to open up and ask you to pick me up and pull me out of this hole I'm trapped in. The truth is I need help. But I just can't imagine who I'd be if I was happy. People are living life so stuck in a rut of negative circumstances, addiction, general, generational dysfunction, depression. They don't even know who they'd be if they were happy. And that's not how God designed our lives to be lived. As followers of Jesus, we know the ultimate goal of life is not happiness. That's, what, that's the label the world puts on it. But the ultimate goal of life is relationship with God being right with him we need god and we need one another maybe you walked in today and you felt stuck in a rut possibly for a long time trying to do things in your own strength well god has exactly what you need to break out to get unstuck why not give god a chance to break you out of your rut you can't do it alone you need god And you need us. Maybe you needed to be reminded that it's not about you. We get so focused on ourselves and our own situation. Part of understanding we need one another is to understand that we're a family and we have a responsibility for the well-being of our brothers and sisters. Why not give God a chance to use you to help someone else out of their rut? We need God and we need each other why we gather now you know we're, we talk every week about next steps because we believe God brings you for a reason he invites you for a reason to this gathering That there's something he wants you to, to understand differently or to do differently as a result of hearing the truth that you hear uh, from his word the next steps we have this week are simple come back next week if the gathering is important, be here for it next time. Not for numbers' sake, but because of what God does in and through your life um, by being here. Maybe today you came and you're, you're new and you're like, I, I just want to find out more about what's happening. You can stay for discovery. That's the next step. Maybe that's why God brought you to this room today. Groups are really important, but it's a tough time to jump into groups because the semester is winding down but table groups are happening right after the service where you can stay and kind of start to begin to process some of this information and begin to relate to people. Maybe you had no idea you were supposed to do that, but today you know God wants you to stay and discuss what you just heard in the sermon and answer some questions about how it may be something he wants to use in your life. Simple next steps, of course, always a next step possibility is that you realize you don't have Jesus in your life, that you've never said yes to him as your Lord and Savior. So that relationship with God is not something that has been established. It's not right the way that he created it to be. We'd love to talk to you about that. I'll be in the back of the room to, uh, to pray with you and to talk to you about what it means to say yes to Jesus. Maybe you've said yes to Jesus and you want to let everybody know by being baptized in one of the weeks to come. Of course, we love to do that. We celebrate that each and every time that it happens. But God doesn't just bring us to sit and soak. God brings us to activate us and encourage us, encourages us to rally and to live out the life that he's called us to. So what is God encouraging you to do today? It may not be any of those and that's okay. But spend some time thinking and praying about what God's next step for you might be as a result of what you've heard today. Allow your life to intersect with others by gathering and see what he wants to do in and through you. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the truth that we need you. And we need one another. God, thank you for the reminder that we have a responsibility for one another. We worry about ourselves so much that, that God, we forget that you've called us to, to share life and to live life together. That we are stronger and God that's not just about this church that's about believers throughout this area we thank you for all the strong churches where people are being challenged to live for you where people are being challenged to uh, fulfill their mission in their neighborhood their job their school God we just pray a blessing on all the the Bible believing churches in our area God may we see you move in ways we can't even imagine that we'd have a front row seat to changed lives to restored marriages to broken addictions to people getting out of the ruts that they find themselves in and they're so comfortable and they don't even know who they'd be if they weren't that person god i pray that they would see that there's light in you that they'd see our love for one another and they'd know that life doesn't have to be that kind of dysfunctional rut that there's something better there's something outside ourselves of knowing you and being known by our brothers and sisters. God, we love you. As we respond to you, I pray that we would just be honest. We'd have the courage to say yes to whatever you are calling us to. And it's in Jesus' name I pray.